Let's red button and we are ready to go. It says connecting. Hello, Bible study Tuesday night. Good to see you guys. Great to see you. It really is. And uh, we are uh, moving on through Samuel. We're in actually chapter 26 and 27 tonight. You go, whoa, what are we doing? Two chapters. I will tell you that chapter 27 is short. It's only 12 verses. 26 is not that long, and a lot of chapters we've done have uh, been over 40 verses. So we're going to attempt to do two chapters. I'll tell you how we do it. We will probably not spend a lot of time on 26 because it's um, deja vu. It's something we basically discussed. Now, uh, that is our lead-in for the uh, for the video. And we'll uh, just... Does that work? I like that music there. It sounded pretty good. <laughs> I'm not making. I liked it. You know, it wasn't competing or anything with us. So anyway, what we're going to do is uh, try to attempt this. What what are we calling this? One step forward and two steps back. Have you ever experienced that? Just when we're making headway and and you know the, down the road on our journey, and then we just kind of go back a little bit. Well, that happens every day, honestly. But this chapter 26 is much like what we saw in chapter 24. It's like a repeat. And some people would say, what well, is? It's the exact same thing. And you've got distortion of the Scripture here because there are two accounts here that are debating each other on it. Well, it's just a second time that it happens. It's not the same way, uh, but it's basically the same pattern. You know, first time David cut off a portion of Saul's robe. Saul didn't know it as he was in uh, taking a what a break for a little bit in the cave, and uh, so David had a chance to kill him. He didn't do it. And he said, uh, I will not touch the Lord's anointed, basically is what he was saying. Uh, David did a lot of things right. And all throughout Scripture, David does a lot of things right. And he's a man of God. Man after God's own heart. We all love David and we think a lot of him. But we know that there were things that he did, even in his believing life, very much a man of God who still did fall short in his fleshly battles against the enemy. And, you know, when you look at the life of David, it actually gives us, I think, encouragement too, because we all want to follow Christ and be as close as we can, and we don't want to sin, we hate it when we do, and yet we get up, the Lord gets us up, and we walk and we fall again. We don't like that, and we don't have any reason to fall, but we do, don't we? Um, It's interesting in chapter 24, David, uh, how he dealt with Saul was incredible. But he failed to be consistent with that same kind of thought when we went into chapter 25, which was last week. And there we saw that he he had a uh, a Nabal who was the husband of Abigail, who is later going to be David's wife, 
because Nabal is going to die, but Nabal was a very evil man. And David and his troops deserved at least some kind of reward for what they had done in keeping the sheep and the shepherds safe. And they went. To, he sent men to go there and get a reward, or at least tell uh, Nabal what had been done. And he actually really sent them back without anything. And not only that, it was an insult that he gave, and that he didn't even recognize David, even though he's from the same tribe. Right, it was a it was a feast time there. Uh, it, w- it was like in the spring, and it was shearing time for the sheep. So uh, we know that he got gently rebuked by Abigail, saying, you know, that she knew probably how he had done previously with Saul and how he had forgiven him. And yet, at this time, he is getting ready for vengeance because the way that he was treated and his men were treated, what did he say? Get your swords. Let's go. Let's go kill them. This is David, folks. And he's willing to kill not only Nabal, but all of the men of that uh, of that household, or at least that of that area there. So that was his plan. But Abigail talked him out of that and it shamed him in a way. And I'm sure that there was a lot of guilt because he, he didn't stay consistent with how he treated Saul versus Nabal. Nabal treated him bad too. But at least Nabal didn't threaten to kill him. you know. But he did make fun of him and his men basically is what he was doing. So we have circumstances again in chapter 24 where we see where we would admire David again in chapter 26. He just keeps forgiving. Now Jesus said that you must forgive three times, right? (laughs) Four times. Seven times? No, it was 70 times seven, wasn't it? And that means infinitely. And that's incredible. Can anybody do that? Well, only in Christ. Something that I think is interesting about that number is that when Cain killed Abel and was cast out, and Cain was worried that somebody would murder him, God said, if anybody kills you, they'll be cursed seven times, 70 times. Ah. And so when we get back to that verse with Christ, it almost sounds like Christ is saying, even forgive a murder. I'm sure it goes deeper than that. Maybe that's just a love, like a surface level view of it. But, you know, Cain did kill Abel. Yep. And uh, God was still merciful towards Cain. Um, didn't have to be, but he was. And uh, so, I, I don't know, I just find that very interesting that it kind of just does a full circle. You know, because we go all the way back from the beginning, all the way to the beginning of Christ. So it's like almost two beginnings. <laughs> yeah, you think Christ knows the Word of God? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, that's that's a good, uh, good picture there. So, so that's exactly what uh, what's going on there. Anyway... Uh, circumstances, it's a lot like 24. Like I say, we'll probably move through this a little bit quicker than we normally would. And if we're uh, missing something or have a comment on it, go right on on ahead. But 26 will make sense. Um, And uh, 27 is very interesting coming off the heels of 26. 
Because like I say, one step forward and two steps back. Let's pray. Father, great God, You are holy. And that's really what You are all about. May we identify Your great holiness, Your righteousness, Your perfection. You are a good God. And we know that You demand perfection and it's found in Christ. And that's who we identify, O Lord. That's the reason that we can come here and study Your Word knowing that we are forgiven. We are people who have sinned against Your holiness, but yet You have made us holy because of what Christ has done and we live in Him. So thank You, Lord, for letting us know better who You are and desiring to be more and more holy. We are to be holy for You are holy. So, as we look at David, we know that there are shortcomings, but there's great work through him, and we know that it's the work of Christ. And we know that there is always that battle of the Spirit and the flesh. May we win more battles by your power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, deja vu, that's what we have for the first five verses. Uh, It starts off, the Zippites came to Saul. And in chapter 24, you have the Ziphites who came to Saul and the uh, same people. Um, and so they, they went up to him, we know, in uh, an earlier section. Or was it 23 that the Ziphites came to him? I'm sorry, 24 is where we have the David-Saul thing. 23, the Ziphites went to Saul and they said, hey, we know where David's at and uh, we... Uh, we're just telling you, and you can go get him, you know. Saul wanted to be real certain about it. He wanted to make sure. He's been after David for quite some time. And if you go out in that wilderness area where they were at, I mean, you could spend months out there and not even find him. Uh, by the way, speaking of that area, heard on the news this morning that um, there was something found that uh, we know that we've heard of the uh, scriptures that were found back 60 years ago and then even before that in the caves which are known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. So again, in a cave they found more. All it does is just give evidence that people wrote down scripture. It, It was kept somehow, maybe not even seen for 2,000 years. Now, I know you probably have wrote, written notes before, and you know, and you try to find it the next day, and you can't, and then it's like about it's maybe ten cave. years later, and you, it's in a cave. Yeah, it's in a cave. <laughs> no, but don't you think that some of these things that our archaeologists are finding, don't you think that it might be because we're getting closer to the end and we're getting more revealed? Well, sure, it just gives more evidence. And somebody will probably become saved as a result of that. You know, how can... And they see the accuracy of it because you compare it with all the other ones and they're almost always like word for word. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's exciting every time we, we hear that. We just keep hearing more and more. And, they, of course, they do the digging and they see a little bit more. And But, you know, God doesn't even have to do that. He doesn't have to let anything be found. We've got all we need. We have the Word of God. Have, yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, the closer yeah. we get to the end, the more 
is revealed to us. And oh, I love I it. Love it. You betcha. Yeah, we go one more, <laughs> one more for us. Look at that. <laughs> That's right. So you you'd heard about that, right? You guys had heard something about that. Yeah, so anyway, that's, that's good. Um, I just heard that from a secular source. I didn't hear it from like Bot Radio or anything. I just, that's where I first heard it, so I thought it was fascinating. Um, anyway, uh, they go out searching for um, David, right? And I guess you can say there was a member of the arrival of a messenger, and Saul's getting ready to get David and his men. They have them surrounded. No chance. Zero chance. Well, the uh, messenger comes and says, The Philistines are right behind us. You got to go back and get them. You know, they were getting ready to attack Israel. Saul was getting ready to get David. They had to leave. They were just this close. I think God did that. He's sovereign. It, it, this, that's a providential dealing uh, of God. Saul would have captured David, no doubt. Um, Saul later, you know, he gave it up, and then later he resumed his pursuit of David, and he goes to the rest stop in the cave, and we know about that incident. And David actually um, it comes out and speaks to Saul. You know, Saul knows that it's David, and he had cut off the garment. We had talked about that. Uh, so in chapter 25, then we see that the commitment that David made in regarding Saul's well-being, uh, it was not the same as it was for Nabal. He did not extend it to him. And we know that um, David became very incensed. He was ready to kill him. There comes along Abigail. He takes her as a wife. Now that's where we had left off. Now once again, the Ziphites come up there to Saul and return to him, and Saul goes down with 3,000 soldiers, of his best soldiers, and it's Saul whose soldiers now are camped this time, where David comes upon them, and David spies and such, and they see this. And David is informed, and uh, then he's ready to hit the camp with just him and actually one other. Just David and one other. That's pretty incredible. Uh, So it says in one, Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hidden on the hill of Hakaliah, which is before Jeshimon? Saul arose, went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel to serve for David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped in the hill of Hakaliah, which is before Jeshimon, beside the road, and David was staying in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. David then arose and came to the place where Saul had camped, and David saw the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, and Saul was lying in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. So there's our deja vu. Uh, We get Saul knowing that he's really close to, uh, Saul is close to David. Saul knows he's getting in David's area, but David sees Saul. Uh, David has his chance here, right? So he gives him an invitation 
to a couple of them. It says in verse 6 that David said to Ahimelech of the Hittite and to Abishai, the son of Zerariah, as Joab's brother, saying, Who will go down with me uh, to Saul in the camp? Just me and, and whoever. Who, who wants to go? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. Well, if you know this kind of guy, he is gung-ho. This guy is, you know, He's 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 like uh, he's not a weekend warrior even. I mean, he's like this all the time. He's ready to kill. David knows that. Mm. Anyway, uh, this is what this guy. Let's let's go. David's ready to go. Saul is in the middle of this camp. Uh, so David said, verse seven, came to the people by night. Behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp. With a spear stuck in the ground, and his head, and Abner uh, at his head, and Abner and the people were lying around him. So they've got uh, all three hundred, three thousand men. David has six hundred men, but he's only going to take two. I mean, him and Abishai. And uh, Abishai is such. Let's go for it. You know that that will make up for it. Abishai said to David, "Today, God has delivered your enemy into your hand." Now therefore, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke, and I'll not strike him the second time. Do you know what's going on here? Uh, we're going 6 through 12. But Abishah steps forward, a mighty man of valor, a stout-hearted soldier. You can look in chapter Second uh, Samuel 23, 18, 19. you got Abishai there, what kind of man he is. No qualms about taking the life of another. David knows that. David took Abishai, knowing this full well, and uh, they reached the camp. Saul has positioned himself that nobody's going to get to him. 3,000. And you'd think they, they would have guards awake at this time. They're all sleeping. Saul's sleeping. He's got plenty around him. And he's got his right-hand man, Abner, the commander of the army. I mean, he is the general of Israel. I mean, he's the elite. What chance does anybody have to get to Saul? And here's David and Abishai, and they go right down to the camp, and can you imagine, you're walking through there, there's probably something like a little stick or something, a rock, and you, you've heard it when it's real quiet, and you, you hear a stick snap, snap, and it's like they're walking through there, and whatever it is, nobody hears anything. Nothing. And you know, there's probably a guy snoring or something, you know, and all of a sudden he quits snoring and they'd probably go, Oh, you know. No, David and Abishai, I mean it, to me it sounds like, you know, God's on our side. There's no reason to fear. Now that's why when chapter twenty seven comes along, you wonder, what in the world is David thinking? Well, that's why I had to put 27 in with today. So we're moving along. Now, he says in 9, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? And Abishai said, He's got to be thinking, What are we doing here for? Where are we going? What are we down here? David also said, As the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him. You notice that? The Lord will do it. Or his day will come that, that he dies. Okay, you have two things there. God will just strike him dead. Or he'll just die naturally. Or he will go down into battle and perish. Three things there. God's going to control it. We don't have to mess with it. This is the Lord's battle. David is thinking right, isn't he? 
Well, the Lord forbid that I stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but now please take the spear that is at his head. And Abishai's thinking, yeah, take his spear and run it through his head. Yeah. Right? And the jug of water and let us go. <laughs> what are we here for? <laughs> okay. Um, they're having this lengthy conversation in the middle of this yeah. compound. Yeah. All these people are sleeping. Exactly. Around, and they're just yap, 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 yap. Even if they're whispering, you can... I'm waking up. <laughs> I think you have a divine slumber. This has happened before, even at the uh, at the grave. How about that? When uh, at the tomb of Jesus, the Roman soldiers are there. They are on guard. They all are to stay awake and alert. And if if they goof up, all of them are going to die. You're executed, right? Well, that's basically the same thing here. And whenever David reports back to this gets to talking with them. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> you know, you guys failed. Abner, and then, of course, that meant all of them. You know, they, they let a killer come in there. Abishai. <laughs> but, you know, David here, he says, uh, please take the spear, that is at his head, jug of water, let us go. David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head. They went away, but no one saw or knew it, nor did any awake. 3,000 of the best men? Only God, folks. For they were all asleep because a sound sleep, here we go, here's why I knew this, from the Lord had fallen on them. It must have felt great though. Wouldn't that be, I thought that's... Yeah, I like, wish someone would do that to me. <laughs> you know what, Lord? Go ahead. <laughs> David talked Abishai out of it. Mm-hmm. David knows what he's doing, evidently. So, but they did that. They got the jug of water and they got the spear, and then they left, <laughs> taking that kind of chance. Mm-hmm. Oh my! So you get the invitation, and then he goes down there and follows it up. Then um, David, you know, he's just he's doing everything right. Um, you know what? Whatever they would have done there, Abishai could have stumbled all over the place. David could be, they could be yelling in this whole camp. And, and they still would have been safe. They could have tripped over soldiers. How in the world did they not fall over them? 3,000 of them. Like if they a couple of them wake up with some bruises on their arms. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who did this? Somebody got a sandal to the face. <laughs> but I, could, I feel like their, their conversation back and forth makes me think of like when we would kids would sneak around the house while we were <laughs> yeah. it was time to be in bed and we had to sneak in her room yeah. and like grab the GameCube yeah. right. and so we're all trying to be quiet she's snoring yeah. Yeah. mom wasn't sleeping yeah. <laughs> she heard everything <laughs> she was awake when she stopped snoring you knew it that's when we froze and you just, we're just like wait was that the scariest time that when she stopped snoring? Was scary. She could feel her heart pounding. Like if she wakes up, steps out of the bed, turns on the light, like 
Hey! What are you doing up? <laughs> so, that's the thing I feel like what they're going on here is... So, but she didn't get a divine slumber for you guys, did she? She did not get a divine slumber. These guys did. So now we go to a rude awakening. David crossed over to the other side, stood on top of the mountain at a distance with a large area between them. It's a valley. Gets up there where they can hear him, but it's a pretty good ways away. David called to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner replied, Who are you who calls the king? I'm wondering if they're thinking this is... God. The woods at night time that you have all these shows about. Bigfoot. Bigfoot is talking. Who is this? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? Oh, wow. And who is like you in Israel? I mean, you're at the top. You know, you're the you're the man. You you are the the king's commander. Why then have you not guarded your lord, the king? <laughs> Ooh, for one of the people came to destroy the king, your lord. What did he just say? One of them. Who was that? <laughs> Abishai. Do it, kill him. David knew all along he wasn't going to kill him. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you must surely die. Now why does he say that? He says it because they are all there to guard the king. And they all failed. And you are to, you're supposed to die. It's not, is David going to go down there and kill him? No. Abishai? No. No, but it's saying they failed. This is embarrassing this is like the worst thing that can happen if you're a guard and you let it slip. And so it, his, David is really bellowing it out, isn't he? This thing that you've done is not good as the Lord lives. All of you must surely die because you did not guard your Lord, your master, the king, the Lord's anointed. David keeps saying that. And now, see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was at his head, and they're all <laughs> looking around. Yeah, where is it? Where is it at? Everybody knew he had that. Did you notice how many times you always see the spear that Saul has by his side? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't even trust yeah, probably even Abner. <laughs> he can't throw where the <laughs> And he sure can't throw. Especially when God just <laughs> makes it go another way. <laughs> So it really hasn't done him good much lately, has it? Anyway. Uh, so we go into 17 through 20. This is where David speaks to Saul. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? Does this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Same thing. My son David. He is a son-in-law. Uh, David said, It is my voice, my lord, the king. Respect. He also said, Why then is my Lord pursuing His servant? Why are you pursuing me? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please let my Lord the King listen to the words of the servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. Okay, he's saying, If I really have sinned against you, and if I've done something, then 
uh, and God has told you that, then let me do an offering to this to get this covered, to get this taken care of. Uh, I, I'm, I'm willing and ready. But there's a, there's a second one. But if I haven't, then why are you still after me? Is it because you're hearing what people are telling you? So he says, But if it is men, cursed are they before the Lord. For they have driven me out today, so they're telling lies, so that I would have no attachment with the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. What's happening is they're, they're pushing him out of the country. Where That's where God is worshipped at. It's not that you can't worship in another country, but well, that's where God... God wanted David in Judah. And He told the prophet, do you remember that? To do what? To go back to Judah. Because He had been in the Philistine area. He had gone down to what Moab. He had gone out of the country. And David recognizes that's what they're trying to do. Chase Him out. And that's where He worships God. That's where He's from. Go serve other gods. Go to the Philistines, right? Whatever. What a weird way to do that. Like, what a weird way to. It's a weird. Like, they're saying, "Oh, yeah, he's your god, but we're gonna force you out of this area so that you're forced to worship other gods." Like, we're gonna take that away from you. Well, you're not going to be able to worship God because you got to go to the temple to make yeah, offerings I mean, and sacrifices and all that stuff. Yeah. And if you were in like a, a prison in Jerusalem, at least God's there. You know, at least you're still in prison. Like, you know, you're still in the place where God's presence is supposed to be. It's God's but people live there. Entirely kicking you out of that and not that David's going to go and worship other gods, but right. you know he's getting kicked out of the presence of where God is. Where that's you know, God is always with David. Yes, but you know. Well, those people understood the ceremonial laws. Yeah, right. set up and everything. Right. And he goes off to another country and he doesn't. Yeah, there's pagan idolatry, all yeah, this other sin mm-hmm. going on over in these other areas that yeah. it would. I can see it. I could, I, the way I feel like I would feel is like I went from like robes to rags. That's how I would feel, even if I was had rags in Jerusalem and I was forced out of the country where my God is worshipped and forced to go into pagan lands where all this other weirdness is going on, I would feel really dirty and unclean. And chapter 27, that's where this comes in. But it's actually going to be, he's going to go from rags to riches when he goes in in there. And exactly, I know exactly what you're saying, but spiritually it is. It's it's taking what you've been robed and now to go to someplace else, away from God's people, away from the temple. Of course, he's not being allowed to go anywhere. Of course, they didn't even have a temple at the time, his tabernacle. It won't be till the next, uh, his son. Solomon will then institute the, the, the temple, but that's yeah, that's doing good. All the sacrifices and all the you know all the rituals. It's worth that, isn't it? And the community, yeah. you know. Yeah. Plus, if he if he decides he's going to build an altar and offer it up to God, yeah. he's doing that in the midst of the Philistines, or right? Whatever, which would be like, what are you doing yeah. in our country? Yeah, yeah. that's not going right. to work, is it? Right. You're a yeah. yeah. That's right. Allow. They would yeah. want him worshiping. 
So this is kind of setting us up for the next chapter. So, so he gives up, he says, if I've sinned, then I want to make an offering. But if this is lies, and they're telling you lies, and of course that's really what David is saying, then why are they chasing me out of here? Why are, why are you doing this? Uh, so in 20 it says, Now then, do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to search for a single fleet. You know, who am I? He said that before. This is all the same pattern that we had two chapters ago. Uh, just as one hunts a partridge in the mountains, that's not, it's nothing. You know, I'm, I'm really nothing. Why, why do you take all your time to chase me down? I'm a nobody. I'm a, I'm a servant. I'm, I'm low. Uh, so we, we've gotten the area where he's speaking right here. He's innocent. He knows it. He's wrongly accused. You know in Proverbs 17, 15, and you'll go, what is it? I don't know it. What is it? Yeah, you do. No, but uh, that's similar, isn't it? He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike, are an abomination to the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 17.15 Another one, Isaiah 5.20 You guys know this real well. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. They are calling David who is good evil and they're... See, Saul is evil and he's good. Although I think they know better. But they were, they're trying to force him to flee is what he's saying. And uh, here he is. He's called a single flea, right? <laughs> but uh, David, see, Saul said, 21, I have sinned. Isn't that amazing? I have sinned. Uh, Return, my son David, for I will not harm you again because my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have committed a serious error. He confesses to David. David's telling it again the exact same kind of thing that he's done before, a confession but is he really sorry for this when it's ultimately done? We know David doesn't trust what he says. David replied, Behold the spear of the king. Now let one of the young men come over and take it. Remember he had taken from the, from the cloak and he felt bad about it? Well, this time he takes this, but he doesn't want to feel bad about it, so he sets it up where somebody can come and get that spear and he can get it back. Wow. For me, also, I feel like that's also another like trust. Like, send one of your young men, just in case you send one of your older men and they try to attack. Your young men will Oop. be too foolish and naive to try to do anything because you know David does have a reputation for killing ten thousand. <laughs> you know, he's killing ten thousand. So it's like, take this, give me like a child, and I'll give him the spear and send him back. And you know, to me, that's a. It's like, okay, if I send them to you and they don't return, I'm coming after you. That would almost give me like the okay, but if they come back, then it's like, see, you know, once again, adding more trust. Because David could have killed him right then and there, once again, or let Abishad do it. And didn't, so there's that. I feel like that adds. It just adds a little more credit, a little more butter to the bread. Well, that's, that's right. And, you know, David doesn't use Saul's spear against him. But Saul gets the point. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah, once you get the spear back. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Once he's that spear is gone, I, I've done wrong. I've sinned. I, you know, return, David. <laughs> Did Saul know he was a sinner? There's no doubt. He recognizes his sin and what what he's done there, but he's not really having a true repentance because he continues to come after David and. But he wanted, he said, return back to your place of worship. Well, that's basically what it is down through 25. That ends the chapter. Now, this is what's fascinating. Or, yeah, verse 25 and 26. It says the very last phrase, so David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. There we go. Does that chapter sound like chapter 24? And whenever I read it, I go, you know, what are you guys going to do whenever I... It sounds like I'm doing a repeat. Matter of fact, I could use my same notes. Well, you know better than I wouldn't do that. But but it is, it, it's like that one, but it wasn't the same thing either, was it? Now, 27. This really gets me. And it'll get you too if it hasn't already gotten you. And it's very shortly after this. Probably, we're not talking years or months or probably even weeks. Then David said to himself, that's the problem. <laughs> like, all right. Oh, <laughs> I was like, write this down. <laughs> you think I didn't notice, David? You think I noticed you talking to yourself like that? All right. You're going to be sitting with the kings on the yeah. table. And like, so, David, what was that all about? What was that? <laughs> now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. What? Are you talking about? You've already been... He went down into that camp. Right there amongst 3,000 and Saul and the commander. And here he is. He's one day Saul's going to kill me. Like Carolyn just said. God told him he was going to be king. He hasn't been king yet. That's God's Word. What did you say, Scott? And that's the whole idea. That sums it all up. The, uh, what did you? What do you think was happening in chapter twenty-six? The Spirit was talking, and he was listening, and the Spirit won. And you come out of there, and you go, "Boy, you know, David, I, I like, I want to be like David." And then twenty-seven, you go, "Oh no, this sounds like me." <laughs> But this is what happens even to the best of God's soldiers. It it even happened to Elijah, didn't it? It happens, and it's sad, and you go, David, what are you thinking? He's not thinking about God's Word. He's not thinking about... God be controlling and doing. He's thinking and he's talking to himself. He's not praying here, is he? He's praying to himself. <laughs> and he says, "I don't have a chance. I'm going to die. Saul's going to kill me. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistine." What, well, David? What are you? You've been there before. Do you remember? Don't you wish somebody come up, David? Get your head on straight. Don't you know? what? That time he went by himself. This time he has 600 men who are getting very brave now. And wives, families, they're, they're ready to go. Yeah, this time it'll be different. 
We'll go into the pagan land. And we'll conquer. That's right. The land of the Philistines. David, David, David. Then he says, Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I'll escape from his hand. So David arose, crossed over, he and 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, okay. Nabal's widow. Now it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. So it worked. It worked. It must be the thing to do when you're walking in the flesh. See, that works a lot better. And sometimes things can be going good, and it's like, what are you telling me? Things are going real fine right now. I did it Yeah, right. Well, you know... Um, Chapter 26 seems to be a spiritual high point for David, right? And, you know, he's been confirmed that he's going to be the king. And even Abigail told him that. Everybody knows it. God would protect his life, 24-15. And now, all of a sudden, he speaks of death being certain that Saul will kill him. How do you forget God's word? PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> They're there you go. Must have happened. <laughs> you know, because when you live in peace and you finally feel peace, and then you know the enemy comes and disturbs and wrecks that peace by outside sources. You know, then you kind of like when you finally start to level out and you finally start to feel that peace. Then there's that paranoia of your peace being disturbed again by another outside source. And um, so, I mean, from a human perspective, I can see why David, like, I can see why David is saying what he's saying because it's like, this is never going yeah, to I, was, I was fine before and then I was chased after and then I was fine and then he came after me again and I can see him being like, this guy is going to kill me. Like, he is going to get me. I, I can only escape so many times before I run out of places to hide. And then somebody comes up to you and says, but God's word says, right? Yeah, but right? he showed up in that moment. <laughs> he was left to himself. Sorry, I thought, where's Abigail at this? All his memories. Yeah, yeah. You know? where's, yeah where's her wisdom at? Yeah. I was wondering if it had anything to do with him handling the spear because he had been mm -hmm. attacked by that spear so many times and then it was in his hands and then he gives it back. Mm -hmm. Well, and yep. That was his last thing he touched. And then the next verse, you know, or next chapter, he's having that second thought. Saul's got it again. Yeah, he's got he's it. That's fear. Well, from a mental health standpoint, he's got a big rush going on here with Saul and going down into the camp. And, man, things are really coming oh, yeah. in. Boy, this yep. is really... And he's so godly and, oh, this is great. <laughs> and then nothing. Yeah. And now nothing. And we are not given a time frame here, but I'm thinking now he's getting a little depressed. Yeah. <laughs> he's got nothing yeah. to do. Adrenaline rush right. tears off. And he's got nothing yep. to do. And he's got all these people that are depending on him. And circumstances. And then history changed. comes yeah. into it. And yeah. Can anybody identify oh, with that? 
<laughs> that can be us. And you say, well, I thought I was the only one that had such depression all the time. <laughs> well, you mean, and not everybody's going to be depressed all the time, and I don't think anybody really, I mean, sometimes it may feel like it, but we have times where it's, it seems like it goes on for and on and on and on. And we're, you know, we've been pushed down and pushed down, and finally it's like you're in disparity. But this is where God comes in. Again, it's going to have to be trust. He was on the movies. They were like, yeah. well, where are we going to go? Right, right. Yeah. And right. He, he felt like he had to go somewhere, nothing. and that's he chose this one, yeah. out, out of the country. Yeah. Well, as you get older, you feel like this all the time. You raise your family, you do all this thing like that, and they kind of get to a point, and things just kind of You got stop. nothing. And, the, and, so and you're just and, sitting and, there, and, and you really nothing. are concerned about in your last days on this earth how you're going to make ends meet. Your physical stuff? I mean, we just we go through all this. Would you stuff. say we live by faith and not by sight? And But there are times, yeah, when we get worn down. We forget God's Word. We forget His promises. We just say whatever we want to say and we do what we want to do. And then we think, oh, that's wrong. I know it is. And, so, you know, He shakes us loose usually. I mean, you know, He always does. But at the same time, this, you know, like, like, where is he going to go? We say, well, the Ziphites, twice they've turned David in. Are we going to go down there again? He was hiding out pretty good for a while. The Ziphites turned him in twice. They'll do it again. Where can we go? We have no place to go now. We got to go out of the country. David doesn't want to go out of there. But where, where else can we go? Well, I'll tell you what. That, that, that king over there, that you know, of Gath. You know, but he might like me. <laughs> you know, he let me get away with it the first time. You know, that guy wasn't as sharp as he thought he was because I fooled him. David acted like a fool. Remember, he acted like a crazy man to get out of there. He goes to the same place. He doesn't go to another Philistine city. Back to, you know, a lot of times we go back to what we are familiar with, and we and we know better. There's never anything good out of that, even though it looks like, hey, you know, I did pretty good there, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Did you? Well, he, did you he really? He also knew that, because back in the speech back here in, in uh, 26, he said, you want go, go worship other gods, you want me out of the country. So yeah. if I leave the country, they'll leave me alone. And He must have had it right in the back of his mind. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to have to get out of here. Yeah. And, of course, you know, whenever he had to leave the, the gates of Gath last time, he should have, he probably was muttering to himself, I'll never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that one? Yeah. And yet here he is. But this time he's not alone. <laughs> he's got a whole bunch of people with him. So, verse 5, he gets his own city, I guess you could say. David said to Achish, if now I have found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? He's been hanging out at the king's palace. And you say, why would a chief even let him be there? It's a feather in his cap. Because everybody knows the ploys of David. David killed who? Goliath. Philistine. From that city right there. <laughs> So if we can use him, and the king's thinking here, you know, oh, uh, 
David's going to serve us. He's going to kill Israelites. We won't have to do it. He will do it and he will be welcome here as long as he does that. We'll convert him. <laughs> yeah, we will convert him. That's what he thought. That's exactly what he is thinking. This is a cheesh. There's an opportunity to have a real good player on our side. Yeah, this is one of the greatest. This guy he killed Goliath, and now he has come on our side. So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. <laughs> David, I think, was there for a year and four months. But it remained for the Israelites the rest of the king's times. The number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Not very long. But I'll tell you what. He has a request. He's given a city. He's been hanging with the king there, I guess, and uh, his family. It's like, uh, they're going to wear out their welcome for too long. Yeah. Uh, maybe our own. Do you have a place like, you know, that you could do, you know, where we could be, and it wouldn't be... A uh, place where they could just be themselves. Yeah, it wouldn't be uncomfortable. Yeah, because, you know, when you're in the city with the king and their pagans and their idolatry and their their worship and their stuff, you know, after a while, it's going to weigh heavy on you. You know, first, your own presence in the king's palace with all 600 of your men and family members, that is, alone is enough, but then you're dealing with two different cultures, you're dealing right. with two different types of people, two different backgrounds. Both kings, you know, David's not king yet, but will be, so he's got an attitude. You know he does. He's got that young, I'm to be king, but I'm still running from Saul. I <laughs> 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 wasn't running from Saul, man. I'd have a big coat on my shoulders. <laughs> but he can't say that. Yeah, he, can, yeah, he can't so say he that. very wisely says, why should I yeah. be allowed to live in the same city as the great king? <laughs> it, it almost, exactly. It's almost yeah. like a, he's he's like, how can I get a place of my own? Oh, I'll just charm him <laughs> into making it because <laughs> his idea to get me to this place that probably nobody really likes. <laughs> nobody really likes that spot. Hey, do you have a city to give me? Is it for you? I've got this one right here. You can have that one. He's got 600 men. And all their families. And families now. Households. did return for one year and four months. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. What a deal. God worked that one out. And see, it's kind of in between Israel and the Philistines. It's like 25 miles was it south, I believe it was, of um, Ziklag. Yeah. And east of Gath, all right, it's 25 miles or so from from there. So it's kind of out of the way. They get a place of their own. Uh, Achish is not going to be monitoring them, you know, all the time. And so they have a, their own life. Now, um, you know, far enough away. It's kind of like in-laws, you know, <laughs> that you know you don't want to be living next door to your mother-in-law, you know, and father. Or, you know, that kind of thing. You want some a little bit of freedom, but you still want to be able to visit, you know, you know, be on good relationships. They wanted a life of their own, like you guys say. And this becomes a permanent possession for the nation of Israel. So, we go to verse 8. 
Now David and his men went up, raided the Geshurites and the Gerizites and the Amalekites, for they were the inhabitants of the land from the ancient times as you come to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive, and he took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Achish. Now Achish said, Where have you made a raid today? And David said, Against the Negev of Judah, and against the Negev of the Jeremielites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, otherwise they'll tell about us, saying, so has David done, so has been his practice all the time he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, he has surely made himself odious among his people Israel, therefore he will become my servant forever. (laughs) <laughs> now it is thickened. Yes, this is where a cheese. That's why a cheese did what he did. He's thinking he's something. Got one over on David here. Duh, David got one over on him. But how he's doing it? Yeah, you think that you know he take David took on what did I say the Amalekites? Yep. Those and they've been around for a very long time. We know about them, don't we? Yeah. And you think that, you know, even though there's nobody to report back to the king, you think eventually the king would be like, I haven't heard anything from the Amalekites. Let's see, check in. Oh, they're all gone. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, when did they disappear? I'm thinking this king, not too bright. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, David was able to fool him with the idiot act. Yeah. And then come in, nest in his area. And when you see those idiots do that, and really they're thinking that all along they've got it over the other guy. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to so pull the carpet out. What is that? <laughs> Saying, pull the rug from under their feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what they, like the Amalekites we've heard of, uh, heard of the Gerza, uh, uh what was it? The Ger- Geshurites, the Gerzites, we really don't know them. But what, what they are, basically, they're Canaanites. But what do, does the king and the Philistines think David is doing? That he's going out killing the Israelites. It's in their area, but what he's doing is doing what Israel should have done all along anyway. You remember, they didn't kill them all out. David is doing that. But there is an issue that I have here, and I'm not sure what to think about it. Well, well, he kills all the people, which, okay, God told him to wipe them all out. And he told Saul to do that. But then he told Saul to kill all the animals, the cattle, the donkeys, the sheep, everything. Now, I don't want to read into it, and I'll give the best thought I can for David on this. But, you know, even camels and stuff, they got to keep all this. Take it back to their city with their families. Can you imagine the food and the possessions they are now mounting? David is saying, hey, this is getting really good now. We're getting our payoff. Well, you know, he's no more more obedient than Saul if that same kind of command is out. 
We don't see a command to David where he's supposed to go kill them all and then leave back right. the animals or that, vice versa. If he doesn't do that, how's he going to take care of these people? But, I mean, it's not like they got jobs. Yeah, I, I'm and, sure this has been weighing like on him heavily. Being drawn in taxes and stuff. Like so, said, and we can't go down to the wilderness. We can, right. What are we going to eat there and drink there exactly. with this many people? Yeah, exactly. So David's doing this on himself. He's not relying on the provisions of God because he's not what he's supposed to do. Yeah, do you see where he has sought out God? He starts off with the whole deal, Saul's going to kill me. Right. His next thing, he goes into the enemy territory. Why is it that Christians sometimes go back to the enemy territory where they know it's enemy territory, they know Satan, but it's just like their mind just gets clouded. Well, what happened with with fellowship with God, His Word? How about fellowship with God's people and where the Word of God is preached and where we can minister with each other and all that? Sometimes people get by themselves get and they tell themselves certain things that they're not thinking right, but they think it is. And now, where do they wind up at? They wind up in a ditch. You've been and people have been telling them, "Hey, please don't do that. You don't want to go there. You know." Where and and they listen, and say, "Yeah, yeah, I know." But, but, but you know, whatever. And they go and do their thing anyway. And you go, "What can I say?" And the Lord is saying, "What else can I say?" And so his own will come back, but there's a, but and at the same time they might prosper out there for a while. God even lets that happen. Yeah. Um, it reminds me when uh, they crossed the Red Sea with Moses, and they went and they conquered those lands. Didn't they keep the animals then? Were they allowed to keep? Yeah, there were certain times. Yeah. So that's why I say I don't know what to think about that's this. I, that's what I'm thinking with well, this. Well, Carolyn made another good point. He's he's on his own over here. He's not talking to God he's, about any so of this. He's got to lean and help and get himself right. going. I got to take care of these people. I got to stay. He had kept them all alive before, right? right? He's doing the. I don't know how. He's taking on the role of a king, and he's completing the job that wasn't completed when it was supposed to be completed. If everything had gone according to God's plan when he told the people to listen and obey, if they had listened and obeyed when they were supposed to, huh. David wouldn't be in this situation. We probably never would have had Saul as king. We probably wouldn't need any Bible of the prophets. Yeah, we you know, Christ probably would have come and be like, all right, I don't need to die. Because <laughs> there's not, nobody has sinned, right? <laughs> they dealt with sin. Somehow they accomplished it. It's no longer here, so I can live amongst my people now forever. But evidently, that yeah. is not God's that plan. Not the case. And just like when we learned that, uh, you know, Saul had the prophet and all those people in the village killed, you know, that was... Or he was a he wasn't a prophet. He was the priest, right? He was the priest, and you know, Saul Saul killed had his guy who wasn't even an Israelite killed the 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 priest, and that was just to fulfill a prophecy told way back in the past. So, in the moment. That's terrible that that happened, and yeah, any of, if any of us witness anything like that, yeah, we would be mortified, and if we had to go through that, you know, that would be terrible. But 
when we reach the end and we see that these events had to take place to fulfill prophecy. But it kind of sounds like you're hanging out in Romans there. <laughs> this part. It seems like they're just they're saying you need to sin so God can get the glory. No. Nah. It's, no, he's not saying that. Yeah, 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 but, but it could be taken that way. But yeah, I, I can see how it could be taken that way. It's just, you know, the the decisions that were made in the moment, I believe, isn't something that God ever wanted. You know, He never wanted those things to take place. But because of sin, if they took place like this, because of the heart of man, if man's heart wasn't so corrupted by sin, if we could just encounter sin in our heart and just be like... you just totally obedient to what God wants all the time, things yeah. go a lot different. Yeah. But because of sin and the sin nature that He knows is within us, He makes an allowance for us to go rise, always with a plan to pull us back. Does God accomplish His will yeah. even yeah. despite yeah. of self-serving men and women? And, you know, David here may be doing the right thing, annihilating those people... But yet, all for the wrong reasons. Right. But God is still going to accomplish His... That's how great of a God He is. That's incredible. And so David may not be wise in fleeing to the Philistines for safety, but he's certainly cunning and clever. I mean, you have to give him to that. He, You know, uh, Achish is inclined to view David as a real prize. And he looks like a real asset. It's like a social... Yeah. That little part there with mm-hmm. all those air he wiped them all out. Yeah. It wasn't even anyone left because he didn't want him to go back to Gath or yeah. whatever and tell right. the king. Right. Right. He had his he own purpose, doing. but there was another there was a bigger picture so that was. He going was on doing on. some yeah. genocides. Yeah. And Achish didn't have to do anything, did he? No. Matter of fact, he didn't go out and even see it. David comes back and says, "Hey, you know, we're we're in that area." He's not really lying. No. I think he's definitely misleading him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we killed them all. So we cleansed out this over here now. We go. we got yes, yes. It's kind of like um, not disclosing. Was it when you when someone says you're not lying, but you're not like giving the whole truth? Right? Yeah, yeah. But yet, I mean, that's not really. I don't think that's a lie. You know, it's just you're omitting certain. Thing. Just kind of omitting. Yes. What are you, a lawyer? <laughs> but he knows that Achish is thinking, "Oh wow, this is this is great." You know, he's killing the Israelites, and and David shares some of the spoils of war with the very people that he's supposed to be killing. You know, I think he's sharing a lot of the spoils there with the Israelites that that he's, you know, he's that's his people. I mean, and I hate to. Think of it in the way I'm about to think of it, but when you look at certain territories in our nations today, certain land areas that have been, you know, taken over due to war and other things, you know, we reap the benefits of the founding fathers. Not that all the events that took place we would not agree with, and we would most definitely, I think I can speak for everybody here, would not participate in. And you know, like trying to get people. Texas back to Mexico. <laughs> I'm not trying to give. I'm not trying to give anything but the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but, 
But, but yeah, like you said, that in our, even in our own country, right. that we tur turned around and took some southern borders mm -hmm. through the years, we came up and ran people off. And through the natives and such. Right. So, yeah. even know, up there in uh, Michigan and whatnot, we took that, we kind of stole No, that's yep. always been on. No. <laughs> no. No, that belonged to the French, and, and Louisiana was French, and yeah, we just kind of took it. Yeah. But, you know, that's always kind of the, the thing about war which I think makes this, you know, slightly different. Because it's war, and it's the time of war, and it's time for gathering of territory, you know, the death is just kind of, kind of going to be there. And, you know, that's why I think at the end with Revelation, you know, when death is thrown away, finally, you know, you don't have to deal with sin and death anymore. That people will we'll finally be able to put down our swords and we won't have to prepare for war ever again. No thy kingdom fighting. come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what when we fall when we when we pray like that, what we're saying is that Christ come back and make this right. Right. The way it is, the way that you desire. And that's and that's that's a good prayer because that's what's going to happen. And here it is, all a man's sin, even some of the best, you know, even in their right actions and such, uh, but kind of maybe wrong motives, what have you. David has got to be thinking, you know what? Can't get, get any better than this. Because, you know, I can go drop in on the king whenever I want. You know, he doesn't have to beg for food anymore and get in all sorts of trouble with that. You know, he doesn't have to have any fear, doesn't have to be looking over his shoulder because Saul is not after him anymore. And, and if Saul will not deal with the, the enemies, there David is doing it. He's doing a lot of things right there. He seems to be have the, the best of both worlds. The Israelites and the Philistines. Well, we still haven't seen him talk to God about it. But that, that is true. Does it appear, though, that now everything looks really good? I mean, it's going, everybody is getting food and water and shelter at their own city. It's going great. But, you know, what does it say? The, the chickens are about to come home to roost. And we'll look at that as we move further on in Samuel. But, you know, God used this incident to get some things done. And he certainly did. Not all things that David did is right, but God allows these things to happen. But his bigger will, a lot of times we don't see, but he's doing it. That's amazing to me. Yes? You know how he did the slumber? God allowed the slumber, the deep slumber on the king's people? It reminded me of the when there were four lepers that were in the midst of a, outside of a camp and, and they all heard, everyone heard like an, an army approaching, which, you know, it wasn't. But they all fled the camp. And the lepers went and didn't investigate, <coughs> and there were food out in you know, the tents. They went into a tent, and there was all yeah. this stuff, and they went back and told the Israelites, and they, they, went, they went and took the spoils of, that they had left behind, the enemies. That's right. Yeah, and, and it was it was it was kind of on the same. Instead of making them sleep, he like authored confusion yeah. among those people, yeah. and they were able to go right on in there. Right. <laughs> and of all people, they're never allowed to go into the city. Right. But yeah, this like, time, what 
the stars. Yeah, that's 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 reaching back there. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. Well, guys, we covered two chapters tonight. Wow. I'll tell you what. When you look at it, you go. We identify. We identify how great God is. We identify and He blesses us almost always. Even when we don't deserve it, which is always. We don't deserve anything, but yet God is always watching us. And sometimes we kind of forget and we go, woe is me. And we go into the doldrums. We think our own kind of thing and try to dig our way out and forgetting God. But that's why we read these things to keep us from forgetting about God and His promises. It should remind. It doesn't give us excuse to sin, like what we were talking about there, Romans six. Should we? Therefore, should we sin that He gets more glory? And then He says, "Meginatah." No way. No. But it is for our growth and for the glory of the Lord. Guys, it's been a great Bible study tonight. Appreciate you coming in and uh, being able to share God's Word here amongst us all. We're blessed, aren't we? Uh, Avel, can you close us there? Yes, sir. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this time tonight that uh, You have brought us together to worship You and to glorify Your name through Your Scripture. And I thank You for the understanding that You have given us all here tonight through First uh, Samuel. And um, thank You for allowing us to learn about David and how he operated how he operated in you and how some of the things he did uh, in himself. Lord, it's given us time to really reflect on our own self and how we walk um, with you or how we happen to walk by with ourselves out of your will. But it's always amazing how you have planned everything from the beginning to the end and you take our mistakes and you use them to benefit your glory. So help us to continue to walk in a way that is glorifying to you, that is righteous and holy and blameless, so that when we stand before you, Lord, we can uh, shout with praise and glory and honor of your name and for your victory at the end. Um, we love you, Lord, for everything. And uh, help us as we go home tonight, um, wherever we are, let our environments be at peace. Let your spirit and your presence be there, making the area sound quiet and just at ease and let us rest tonight with your with your special rest that you <laughs> brought upon the Saul's men so if you can bless us with that and wake us up on time in the morning that give me the morning in Jesus name amen amen, amen. 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 It's funny because yeah, I woke up at this morning about one minute till eight. And see, I've got my work at home, so I opened up the computer. <laughs> and I was groggy. Yeah. See you guys later. I don't know what you got to do on Thursday when you got to be in there by eight. <laughs> I did that Monday. I woke up at five fifty-six. I had to